0: Suicide is a tough topic, but the Washington County Reach for Hope Suicide Prevention Coalition wants you to know that there is always hope. We are a caring community reaching out to provide compassion and hope for a community free of suicide. In the next half hour, we'll talk with community partners to identify risk factors, raise awareness, and discuss prevention strategies. Hello and welcome to Reach for Hope, where there's always hope. And this show is dedicated, you know, to the prevention of suicide. Today's topic is one we're all familiar with, anxiety and ways to cope with it. With me today is the chair of the Reach for Hope Coalition, Jamie Christiansen, who is also a clinical mental health counselor with ABC Counseling Services. Welcome, Jamie. Thanks for being on today's podcast vodcast. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Tell me a little bit about uh, your background and, and what you do.
1: Okay. So um, I actually spent about 10 years in the education, world of education, being a school counselor, and then um, proceeded to get some more education so that I could be a practicing clinician outside of the school. And so my husband and I both operate and own a mental health uh, practice here in St. George. Mm -hmm. And so I see, um, I work a lot actually. I right now have a contract with the Children's Justice Center. So I'm working currently. Um, in the schools, so I travel to the school cone sites that I'm over and I provide trauma treatment for those who have recently reported um, either sexual or physical abuse.
0: Wow, so you have, that that's big anxiety, that's that's huge. So tell us then how, why you got involved with the uh, Reach for Hope Coalition and what your passion is for prevention of suicide.
1: Okay. So, I think what what I've come to the conclusion of that passion is because I've worked so long in the trenches of helping people who have who have experienced a lot of difficult things and are struggling with their ability to regulate what's happened in their life if there's trauma. And I wanted to get upstream a little bit, a little bit more on the prevention and and helping educate um, provide assistance um, maybe a little bit of normalization about what's going on in the hopes that this is going to prevent suicide or
0: other things down the road and work yourself out of a job (laughs) just kidding
1: (laughs) possibly that That would would be 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 awesome awesome, yes Uh,
0: let's talk a little bit about this topic of anxiety um you have a little uh, a way of explaining how that works in our brain not a lot of us know what our brain does even though we have one right Okay,
1: so I wanna use um, Dan, Dr. Dan Siegel's um, hand as, a, as our brain model. And so what I do is, um, I'm gonna use, actually I'm a right-handed, so okay. I'm gonna show you on this right here. Can, Can you, you see, see that? Okay, yeah. all right, so if we use our hand to represent our brain, we're gonna open it and we have three parts of our brain. So this right here, our palm, we would say is our brain stem, okay? So this part of our brain is active and doing its own thing without our awareness so regulating our heart rate um, blinking filtering our blood all those basic things that keep us alive okay so that's the brain stem we're going to use our thumb here and this is going to represent our limbic system our emotional brain so i'm going to use that term um, a lot today so the emotional brain and this is where memories this is where um, a small almond shaped thing called the amygdala is (laughs) And it's an, our alarm system. So it's what keeps us safe, okay? And then we have our four fingers right here folded down, represents our prefrontal cortex. So this might be what I'm going to refer to as our rational brain, okay? And there's when our, when our brain is functioning in this state, we're, gr- we're great. We're in a good place, okay? But oftentimes something triggers the emotional brain to kind of kick online. And so what happens is temporarily our frontal lobe goes offline. And I call this when I talk with kids, we flip our lids. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now we're functioning within this emotional brain. And there's some problems with allowing this to function for too long. Okay. And so that's where anxiety um, and worry and fear starts to
0: resonate and and connect okay is that kind of the fight or flight yes uh, area scenario when you get in there
1: yep that's what's gonna the amygdala that turns on whether we're gonna rev up for fighting something running away from something or oftentimes we just freeze because whatever we're experiencing or whatever whatever inputs coming in is too much
0: we might freeze right now there are different different levels of anxiety i understand and uh, it, it, too much, not enough, just right. How do you how do you see that? We have a graphic that kind of shows a little bit about the medical um, disorders of of anxiety. Okay. And and it basically just talks a little bit about that. But tell me about how how the uh, how the how stress can just take over your okay. life.
1: So so in this ha- this hand is our brain model here. Um, something might trigger this. Reaction, the amygdala, the emotional brain, to set off. It could be that um, we have an upcoming exam, okay, and oh, okay, and then we might have we're in our setting with our peers, and a group of them are looking over at our in our direction and they're laughing, okay. Um, we might hear raised voices in in another room, mm-hmm. and all of those things are signals to us. There, that's we're taking that into, um, and this part of the brain is now going to, without a lot of clarity, it's not very rational. It starts to impact how we might act based on what it's taking in. Okay. And so there are a varying degrees as to the level of worry and anxiety that we experience. It's normal. You cannot get rid of it because it's actually the part that keeps us safe. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I always feel mine in my gut. So that's a somatic response okay okay so we also our our physical body responds to this emotional brain so we might feel butterflies stomach aches Mm -hmm. often um, we might get headaches some people have uh, a lot of headaches that come on with a lot of stress and worry um i've even heard of people feeling like numbness in in their hands or something so um my son actually my oldest has eczema and when he gets stressed or is an, under a lot of pressure, oh. he flares in mm. terms of, um, his skin, um, asthmatics are also, um, can be triggered by emotional stressors, right? So our body responds to this part
0: of our brain being activated in different ways. Mm-hmm. So what are the signs then for, uh, noticing that like, well, you talked about your child anxiety in children, then what do you look for? of their parents or whatever?
1: That's a good question. So, you know, again, there's a level of normalcy and in, in worry and in fear, but when those start to take over our daily functioning, that's when we start to, as a clinician, look at possible disorder, mm-hmm. okay? So if, if they're not, you know, school refusal, uh, not being able to attend, um, if there's a lot of somatic, Oftentimes, with our children in schools, it presents as stomach. I don't feel well. There's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that, Um, and that that's where parents can be aware and um, start to look for help or answers of of how to help them regulate what's going on, so that they're not afraid of that. Or, um, and that's a normal tendency to want to move away from that those feelings because it's not comfortable. Right. So what do
0: we do with it? So tell me then the difference between depression and anxiety. I mean, I know when you get too <laughs> anxious, sometimes you can go into a depression, is that correct or not? Yes, they're, they're,
1: we, we call them the twins. Okay. <laughs> so they're, they're, they, they feed off of each other oftentimes. And so we can have comorbid, we can see a swing from the anxiety and worry into depression. Um, so some of the clinical um, symptoms that we would say move into the diagnosis of, of anxiety or a general generalized anxiety disorder is gonna be things like um, feeling restless. They might be fe- keyed up all the time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it all c- also can swing the other way and feel very fatigued. Ah. Okay, um, so everybody's gonna experience that differently. Um, difficulty concentrating, they might feel like they're blanking out, like, I, I just can't pull anything into to my mind at the time. We can feel irritable, um, muscle tensions. And uh, the big one that I see with, uh, all across the spectrum, actually, of age spectrum, is sleep disorders. disorders.
0: Ah, can't sleep at can't night. Can't sleep. So uh-huh.
1: either they don't know how to, they're not getting unwound and and being able to get to sleep sometimes it's they'll get to sleep but then it's interrupted sleep and often waking up and then getting back um so that's that's when we start to see that and depression can look very similar
0: yeah so um why are we seeing an increase among our youth especially i mean you're talking about uh all these problems i mean obviously with some of your clients and people that you've uh, treated have had that for sexual abuse or or uh, physical abuse or whatever those reasons, but what about our youth in general? I mean, obviously COVID's probably a big one right now, not being able to see your friends, but why why are we seeing an increase of this?
1: So research has been looking at that and trying to answer that question. So what we know is that right now technology is playing a really big role, specifically in social media platforms. Um, So it's, it's increasing our exposure to environments that potentially activate our emotional brain, because within that social component, emotions arise. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking our youth, their brains are not, you know, if we go back to this model, um, their frontal lobes are still developing. Mm -hmm. This rational brain of theirs continues to develop clear into the mid-20s, late or early 30s, like late 20s, early 30s. So if we're constantly flipping our lids, right, because of our emotional brain brain being triggered, that fight, flight, or freeze is activated, then we're spending a whole lot of time offline and creating, you know, a regression or uh, a delay in the development of the prefrontal cortex.
0: Wow, that sounds dangerous too. Uh, So how much anxiety then is harmful to the point of where someone wants to, you know, take their own lives or talk about suicide?
1: Uh, Well, I want to make sure that we understand that Anxiety, an anxiety disorder or struggling with anxiety does not equal mean, right. suicide or morbid thinking. Correct. Um, but if, if if not taken care of or addressed, the symptoms that they're experiencing, oftentimes that is a solution to, could could be a solution to the discomfort and
0: distress. In their minds.
1: That, that they're experiencing, yes.
0: It's overload.
1: It's overload. And so we need to definitely give other options, some skills, right? Or some, you know, helping them understand the locus of control that they have over this system so that they can feel more in control of it versus maybe um, this also leads, anxiety also untreated also leads to a lot of substance use or other unhealthy coping mechanisms show up
0: as well. So we all- Makes sense how to cope. That's what we wanna talk about today. So what is the treatment then for anxiety? I I know that we have a graphic that talks a little bit about CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. What is that? Okay, so um,
1: cognitive behavioral therapy is a a type of treatment that helps us understand that we have um, more control over over this somatic so going back to this that when our thoughts come in or information data is being inputted into our brains um we we can just allow that to formulate i guess what we do our action right based on that but here's the problem our emotional brain is not very accurate in taking in information. It's not always accurate, mm-hmm. it's it's emotional. So we are acting out in ways that might not be accurate based on all given information. So CBT helps us kind of understand that and then helps a client or someone take control of that and say, oh, you know, well, hold on. <laughs> I don't have to spin out of control with my fear and worry and all of this, because maybe the information that I have isn't accurate.
0: Right. So it how's how, that down? How can we change our thoughts to deal with our anxiety or worries? That's a good question. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> thoughts are spinning in and out of coming in and out. And yeah. so again, we, we need to be better at filtering ah. and what we latch on to. Mm-hmm. So just because a fleeting thought happens to pop in, we don't have to entertain that. Right we get to be the gatekeepers of what goes on. And the CBT model says that if we get better at gatekeeping and choosing what those thoughts are that we're gonna take in, we feel differently. Mm -hmm. And thus we act differently.
0: Yeah, that's what we're seeing on the screen, generalized anxiety disorder, when worry gets out of control. And that's, that's something we need to deal with. Many times, you know, our anxiety is caused by stress. I know as an adult, that's what it is, probably as children too. Um, We have a video that we'd like to show you that uh, shows us how to cope or deal with stress, which may help people out. Let's take a watch.
2: Stress. Everyone experiences it both at work and in their personal lives. It's often caused by changes in the world around us that we can't control. But what we can control is how we cope with and react to stress. Let's take a look at some strategies for dealing with it. Make time for hobbies and self-care. When we're stressed, we have a tendency to focus on the things that are stressing us out, and we lose sight of taking care of ourselves. It's important to find some time in your schedule to relax or do what you enjoy. This can give you a renewed sense of energy and well-being. Use time management skills. There may be times where projects and tasks just start to pile up and you feel trapped under it all. This could be due to procrastinating or taking on too much work. Try listing out your tasks and prioritizing them. This can make it easier to get through them, and who knows, you may even find some tasks that are unnecessary or that you can delegate to others. Exercise Stress often makes us tired and increases our anxiety. Studies have shown that over time, exercise can help to reduce anxiety levels and make you feel more energetic. Find an activity that you enjoy, whether it's walking, swimming, or something else, and try fitting it into your schedule a few times a week. Remove unnecessary sources of stress. While you can't control the changes that happen to you, there may be certain stressors that you can eliminate. For example, you could try limiting your access to daily news, spending less time on social media, or reducing the number of new projects you take on. While stress is inevitable, it's important to remember that there are always ways of managing it and improving the quality of your life. GCF Global, creating opportunities for a better life.
0: Words to the wise that we probably don't ever do, but uh, what other things can we do to calm down or relax or or de-stress? So one of the things that we
1: want to do in, in those stressful situations is actually reverse what's Physi- physiologically going on with the body. So deep breathing, um, if we concentrate and focus on our breath, which we're doing all the time, but we're not bringing awareness to it. And so it, that exercise alone, focusing on the breath in, but more specifically on the breath out and, and having that draw out a little bit more f- further counts is going to physiologically change the system. And, mm. and bring, again, what we're trying to do is bring that lid back online. Mm -hmm. And so deep breathing, um, creating a a, a safe place, a calm place um, using imagery. So I often have clients um, create an image of a place that does invoke that kind of feeling. And then in their mind, they go there. And what happens is physiologically, they start to change. Their breath will slow down. Their breath is going to become deeper. And, And all of a sudden, then they feel equipped and in control of what's going on in their bodies. Cause that's really what's causing a lot of the distress is that the body's responding and I'm out of control.
0: Right. I like to go for walks or sometimes listen to music or something that makes me feel like I'm at home too, you know, just, but the biggest thing I've noticed is we have to have a positive outlook and a positive feeling. And that's really hard to do when you're in that negative part of your uh, response of your brain. How do we find that hope to, how do we look for that positivity? So we do know from um brain
1: research that our brain brain is plastic. So if you are good at worrying, you're strengthening your brain to be a great worrier. So this is something that's actively exercising a part of hopefulness. Um one of the great ways is um of being positive is gratitude. So becoming aware, taking the time to point out, because they exist. So it's like that the metaphor of the glass is half empty or half full. Uh-huh. The reality is it's both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. The truth is it, it is half empty and it's half full. But what you get to do is choose where you see, wh- how you see that. And within that, you now bring back again, the locus of control. Your body is now like I'm in control here and that feels
0: better. Right. So if a person isn't able to calm down on their own or when should they seek professional help or when should a parent seek help for their child? When do they notice that?
1: So I think that's a great question. So I think the the reality is, is again, this is a normal response that every person's going to have from infant to adult. Right. Um, We we're we're looking for abnormal regulation when when they can't on their own regulate. They're, They're struggling with that. That's when we need to get them help. We need to teach more specifically. And the reality is, is I maybe you were different, but I was never taught these specific things. We just go about. Mm-hmm. developing and growing and figuring this out on our own, but maybe being more intentional about teaching about what's going on and how we can be mindful, which is where the big push for mindfulness is coming into the schools and coming into um, practice in earlier and younger years, because we find that then they might not develop a full blown anxiety disorder because they've learned how to regulate
0: yeah and it's hard especially with covid19 you know i'm sure it's tough you've have you been seeing some of your clients virtually because of this
1: yes we we have stepped up the telehealth um, abilities but again it's not the perfect and ideal i think we need connection but we're, we're doing the best that we can
0: yeah because it's tough because you want to be able to relay and see things in people's eyes and mm-hmm. feel and and get a hug and We we've been able to do all of that. Um, how can we help others who may be suffering from anxiety? How do we reach out? That's what our coalition is here for. You know, how do we do that? (laughs) Good question. So I think the
1: best thing that we can do to help is to let people know that they're loved that and normalize maybe a little bit about what their experience is. Again, a lot of people want to hurry and get rid of anxiety is bad. Yeah. Worries bad. So get rid of it. And, and we're sending an incorrect message because that's never going to happen. How do we manage that? How do we regulate that? That's the what we need to be having conversations about. And I feel like our coalition is teaching and, uh, you know, through QPR or um, writing our legislators, we're trying to help the mental health component um, so that more psychoeducation about this is getting out there.
0: Right, we have a video we'd like to play from the coalition and you're in it, <laughs> you're a star. Uh, let's play that right now so that people understand where we're coming from. Depression and mental
1: health and suicide thinking affects everyone. What I would want every member to know in my community is that they are loved. My name is Jamie Christiansen, and I am the chairman of the Reach for Hope Coalition. The mission of the Reach for Hope Coalition is to provide education and resources about suicide prevention in the Washington County area. Suicide ideation and suicide attempts are on the increase in our community. Because of that, we saw a need in our community to train and teach people how to have authentic conversations about suicide ideation and whether or not somebody is contemplating taking their life. It's important to be open and direct when we talk about suicide and not dance around the issue and create more discomfort for someone who might be struggling. Um, Always validate someone's feelings make sure that they feel heard. I have heard testimonies of people who otherwise were not skilled or comfortable talking about suicide. They have been able to, themselves, save a life by asking this very critical question. And the question really that we train participants to ask is straight out, do you feel suicidal? Do you have thoughts about killing yourself? and I have personally seen people who have come back and said, I've used this training. I've asked that question and my neighbor is alive because I was willing and had the skills to do it. We also provide our community with what we call comfort bags. And so when somebody has attempted suicide, they themselves and their families will receive this bag. We've got a blanket, we've got art therapy, coloring pages, community resources, along with a card that just has been handwritten by one of our coalition members that communicates to these people that they are loved and to just hopefully provide that hope that keeps them moving forward.
0: Great advice, great job on the video. I really appreciate everything you said in there because it really is true. It's it's making people know that, that we care and there is hope, right? Um, that's what the show is all about. What can we do to help reach out and educate people besides what we're doing here? What can other people do? You have the QPR training, question, persuade, refer. That is number one.
1: We'd love for everybody to get on our website. Head over to the website, which is www.reachforhopeutah.org. Um, we have a social media platform. Sharing this information is huge. Getting getting this information and education out to the masses so that they feel connected Mm -hmm. and and understood and and loved um
0: and normalize some of this that that I think that's gonna make a huge difference. That's what we've been working on is try to get rid of this stigma that it's not okay, but it is okay. It's okay to not feel okay. It's just what you do about it and the ways to cope that you got to deal with it. So I I appreciate all that you've done for our community and for the coalition and for everyone else out there because it really is important. So thanks, Jamie, for sharing your knowledge and for being a guest on the show today. And remember that if if you want more information, reach out to uh, our coalition. Uh, If you'd like to be a part of it, get a hold of us uh, because uh, we always, there's always hope. Thanks for watching. The Reach for Hope Coalition wants you to know that we care about you and we are here to help. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, reach out. You're not alone. To access resources for yourself or others, visit our webpage at reachforhopeutah.org. That's reach, the number four, hope, utah.org. If you are experiencing a crisis, please call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK because you matter and there is always hope.